Good morning. Hope you're all doing well. Today we're learning Maseches Gittin, just Mem Hey Amud Aleph. Um, and then on Shabbos at 5.45, an earlier time than usual, we'll do our regular blot and a half of Mem Hey Amud Beis and Mem Vav. Let's get started. We're on the fifth or sixth line of Mem Hey Amud Aleph, the last of the short lines. And it says, Amar Le'a of Yosef. That is where we're starting. We had learned a din yesterday that was a little difficult to understand. And the din that we learned is if someone does break the rule, let's say Ruvain ends up selling his Eved to Shimon, and Shimon takes him to Chutz La'aretz. So we had said that Shimon then gets the knas. He gets the slap on the wrist that he has to then free this Eved. And Abaye has a very difficult time with this. I'm going to buy the review. If I don't understand. My is to Why is the buyer, the purchaser, Shimon, why is he the one who has to invest in freeing this guy? Why would it be him? Uh, it should be on Ruvain. Ruvain was the one who did something wrong. He shouldn't have sold it to the guy in the first place. So where do we place the burden of responsibility? It seems from what we learned yesterday, we placed the burden of responsibility on Rab Shani, on the purchaser, but not on the guy who sold it. Why is that? So Amar Le, uh, um, Rav Yosef answers Abaye and says, Amar Le, Lav the mouse is not the thief. The hole in which the mouse ran into is the thief. This is code word for the second guy was the enabler. The guy who purchased, if there was no one to purchase, then forget about the seller. So it's odd. Why are we blaming one over the other? Somebody at the end of the day has to pay. We'll see in a moment why. So Amar Lay, Abayi says back to his Rebbe, I hear you. I hear you. You're right. If a mouse steals food and there's no hole to go into, he can't really steal the food. But Ilav Achbara, if the guy, if there was no mouse, if there was no seller in this case, then Chura Minale, then who cares about the hole? They're both playing a role here, the seller and the buyer. They're both playing a role. So uh, Abai pushes back on his Rebbe and says, I don't understand why you're saying this. So says the Gemara, and the, this piece of the Gemara is concluded here, Mistabra says, Rav Yosef, it's logical assumed that Hecha Ika Isura Hasam Kansinan, that wherever the Isser lives, that is where the knas will take place. And in a case like this, where both the seller and the buyer are at fault, Halacha says that we therefore look at the at the place where the Eved resides, and therefore it's the responsibility of the second person, Rabo Sheni, to free the Eved. The Gemara tells a story. There was an Eved that ran away from France to Yerushalayim. And his master went and followed him to see if maybe he perhaps he could get him back. And and the master went to Rav Ami, who was a great Amora at this time in Eretz Yisrael. Many of us have probably been to his, uh, his kever. And the Gemara says, Omar Le, what did Rav Ami say back to the master of this guy who escaped from France to Yerushalayim? You should have a star written for you, Ravami said to the owner of the slave. You should have a star written in your favor, written in your favor about how much money the Evid is worth. The Gita de And you should also write a get Khirus for this particular person. You're not allowed to do that. The Evid's not allowed to do what he did, and he has to be freed. We'll see why he has to be freed in a moment. The Elo, and if you as the Baal, don't do as I say, said Ravami, and free this Evid who ran from France to Yerushalayim. I'm going to remove him from you. Give it to your sibling or I'll take it out of your hands. So that's what he's saying over here. You need to do this. You need to get this done. And where do we see this idea that if an Eved runs from Chutz La'aretz to Eretz Yisrael, where do we see this idea that the Eved can be extracted from the hands of the of the Baal if he doesn't listen? Says the Gemara, and follow along in this b'risa. The Gemara says about 10 lines down, Titania. 
The Pasuk says, You should not have Goyim, we'll see what kind of Goyim, you should not have Goyim living in the land of Eretz Yisrael, because they might lead you, to, lead you astray, they might lead you to sin. Now, says the Gemara, Yachol, it's possible. Maybe we're even talking about a guy who doesn't worship Avodah He's Stam He's not a Christian. He's not. He's a regular guy. Just Stam. So maybe that guy is allowed to live in Eretz. The, the what the pasuk means when it says that he's not allowed to live in Eretz Yisrael. Maybe we're talking about even a guy who doesn't worship Avodah Tamalomar, that can't be because the Pasuk says, You should not throw a person out if he uh, agrees to not service other gods. So that means that a goy who doesn't worship Avodah can live there. So that can't be shot in the Pasuk. And my takana, so what do we do with this non-Jew who's willing to live in Eretz Yisrael but not worship idols? So says the Gemara, Pshat must be, Im That's okay if he lives in Eretz Yisrael. That's what the Pasuk means. So says the Gemara, what do we see from here? Nothing that helps our sugi yet. But part one of the Brisa is very simple, that if there is a non-Jew who agrees to not worship Avodah Zarah, he's allowed to live in Eretz Yisrael. That's fine. That's why we have, uh, not like it matters, but we have people in Eretz Yisrael who are Arabs, Muslims. That's not Avodah Zarah. They're not worshiping Avodah Zarah. They're much closer to Yiddishkeit yeah, than anything else. What? They're Goyim. They're Goyim. But they're worshiping the correct God. A Yid cannot do, uh, a Yid is a Yid by mother, by, by birth. Right. That's fine. He, they're still Goyim. But I'm just saying they're not violating Avodah Zarah. You don't need to be a Baal Avodah Zarah to be a Shabbos guy. You just have to be a non-Jew. So the Arabs are, they're not violating Avodah Zarah. They're davening to the correct Abishter. They are. Okay, they're mis- they have a different hashkafa, a different outlook. They have the Quran. So they have their problems. So don't get me wrong, but they are not the profile of you need to get out of Eretz Yisrael. They're non-Jews who don't worship Avodah Zarah. So technically, it's motor for them to live in Eretz Yisrael. That's fine. So then, based on this brisa, the Gemara says, "Wait one second. The Kashalei, the Rabbi Yoshia, Rabbi Yoshia looked at this brisa and didn't understand something. <coughs> if you're saying." that a non-Jew who doesn't worship Avodah Zarah is allowed to live in Eretz Yisrael, then I don't understand. What does it mean, Hai Me'im Adonav? Why does it say uh, that he has uh, left Me'im Adonav? It should have said Me'im Elokav, Elohav, I should say. Me'im Elohav, Me'bayle, a little gear to change. So he didn't rebel against his, his master, nothing. He just he just doesn't worship Avodah Zarah anymore. So then it should the Pasuk shouldn't have said Me'im Adonav, it should have said Me'im Elohav. Ella, Amar of Yoshia. Rav Yoshia has a different, a different explanation of this Pasuk. What does the Pasuk mean when it says, Lo That case is talking about The Pasuk is talking about where a person sells his Eved to Chutzlaret. The Kashele, the Rav Achi, Rav Yoshia, Rav Achi was the son of Rav Yoshia, didn't even understand his father's Pshat. According to what the father is saying, if he's if the if the pasuk is talking about an eved who was sold to chutzlars, it shouldn't say asher yinatzel elacha that he was saved to you, it should or escaped uh, to you. It should be asher yinatzel meimach from you miboyle. So even Ravachi Rav Yosha doesn't understand his father's own pshat, and therefore Amar Rav Achi Bar He says, "What does our pasuk mean when it says that a person?" Is not allowed to live in Eretz Yisrael lest they cause you to sin. 
We're talking about a case where an Eved ran from France to Yerushalayim. And if you'll remember the case that was brought to Ravami just 10 lines ago, that was where I who live in France, my Eved ran to Eretz Yisrael. I ran to Eretz Yisrael to get my Eved back. And I was unsuccessful in doing so. And Ravami said, you got to let him go. Why? Because Ravami was of the opinion that Pshat in the Pasuk of, um, the Pshat in the Pasuk that says, was this Goy who was an Evid, a partial Goy, an Evid who moved from France to Eretz Yisrael. And according to Ravami, he wasn't allowed to live in Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, Ravami told this Baal that he had to free him. We're about a third of the way down, and we'll be stopping at the Mishnah at the bottom of the page. And the Gemara says, Tanya, Idach, we have another Brisa that reanalyzes these Psukim. Now, we've already answered our question. Our question was, why does Rav Ami feel that a person who leaves, uh, an Eved who moves from Chutz Laaretz to Eretz Yisrael, why he can't live there? And the answer is based on the Psukim. But we do have another version of an of analysis of these Psukim. The Gemara says, Tanya, Idach, a third of the way down, Lo Saskir Eved Aladonov. The Pasuk says that we should not hand over an Eved to his masters, meaning we shouldn't kick him out. Rabbi Omer, what is that Pasuk talking about? He has a little bit of an ukimta, a drasha, as it were. It's not the basic shot in the Pasuk. It's a sophisticated explanation of the Pasuk. He says that this Pasuk is talking about that if I purchase an Eved with the condition of freeing him, then I absolutely must free him. Then I can't keep him as an Eved. Hey, Chidami, what's the case? If I write to an Eved, when I purchase you, I'm just trying to help you. I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy you uh, on the market at an auction. I'm going to buy you. And Lamaisa, what's going to happen is that right when I purchase you, you're done. You're free, ready to go. You're a full yid. Maybe you wanted him to marry his daughter. Doesn't matter. Whatever the din is, that if he made this deal, then halach is he goes free. The Gemara tells a story. Rav Chizda, Arak Rav Chizda, who did not live in Eretz Yisrael, he lived in Bavel. Or he lived outside of Eretz. I think he was in Bavel. Orak le Abdelabekusai. His Evid was Orak. His Evid ran away to a community where the Kusim lived, which clearly was near Bavel. Shalachlehu, when he found out where his Evid was, he sent a letter to the Bekusai, to the people who lived in uh, in this area of Kusim. And he said to them, Hajruha Nihali, please return my Evid to me. And they responded, Shalchule, no, we're not allowed to halachically. Why are we not allowed to return the Eved to Rav Chiza? Because what did we just learn a couple of minutes ago? The Pasuk says, Lo saskir Eved, I'm not allowed to return your Eved. That's what the Gemara says. Skip the parentheses, three lines. The Gemara says, just about halfway down, Shalach Lehu, he said back then, Rav Chiza wrote back to the Beit Kusai, no, you don't have Pshat in the Pasuk. Pshat in the Pasuk doesn't mean that if my Eved runs from a place in Chutz Laaretz to another place in Chutz Laaretz that you can't give him back. The only time the Pasuk restricts you giving me back my Eved when he runs away is if he runs from France to Yerushalayim. But if he runs from France to Poland, that's your, you got to give him back to me. The restriction in the Pasuk is about Eretz Yisrael, not about Chutz Laaretz. Just like the sheets of Rav Achib Rav that we learned a few minutes ago. So the Gemara says, why didn't he quote Rebbe? We just quoted at the Tanya Idach, a third of the way down, two shitas. We quoted the case of Rebbe, and Rebbe's case was um, was shot in the pasuk of that case where he says, "I'm uh, I'm uh, freeing you in order. I'm I'm paying for you in order to free you. I'm buying you in order to free you." So it says the Gemara. Why is it that when he Rav Chizda spoke to the Bnei Kusim, why did he quote the shita of Rav Achib Rav Yoshia? He should have quoted the shita of Rebbe. Between the two of them, we should pass in like Rebbe. 
What does the Gemara say? The Kusim were people who were very biblical. They looked at the text, they saw what they saw, and they didn't believe in drushos. Yesterday, I did a circumcision for a completely non-Jewish Christian family. They, uh, he said to me, we rely on the translation of the King James Bible. I said, that's great. But if you don't speak Hebrew, you're learning only the text of the translation. If you're not able to read a Chumash, you're very limited. And I gave him a great example of this, where someone who tried to convert me to another religion told me that oh, the Bible says in Isaiah that a woman conceived as a virgin. I said, chapter and verse. He said, Isaiah 7, whatever the Pasuk was. I don't know. I looked it up. I had a Tanakh on my phone. And the word was Ha'alma. I said, see, this is such a good example of you not knowing what you're talking about. Because the word virgin in Halacha is Besula. The word Alma in any dictionary that you will find means a young girl. Nobody said she was a virgin. I said, what well, you're re relying upon in Isaiah, oh, she's a virgin. That's because King James Bible translated. That's not correct. If you don't speak Hebrew, you don't know what you're talking about. So the Kusim looked at the Chumash only for what they saw. They had no idea what they were talking about. So when Rav Chiza was communicating with them, he spoke on their level. He spoke on their level. They wouldn't understand Rebbe's Pshat. Oh, it's a new Kimta. Pshat in the Pasuk is such a unique case. It's when I when I buy an Ebed, Almanas, the Shachrero. That's way too, uh, that's off the page. The Kusim don't know how to read the Chumash like that. They're reading the King, King James Bible. That's all they know. So what that, so therefore he spoke in their language. Another story right before we get to the new Mishnah. Abaye, Irkas Lechamra, Beikusai. Abaye, Irkas means that he lost an Aramaic. He lost his donkey, and it fell into the same hands of the Bekusai, into this community of Kusim who lived near Babel. Shalach Lehu, he sent a message to them, could you do me a favor? Shadru Hali, please send me back my donkey. Remember who we're talking about, Abai, great Amor, fourth century. Shalchu they said back to him, well, listen, we're happy to give it back to you, but Shalchu Simna, we still have to keep Halacha. HaShavah Saved is a din but you have to provide Simanim. So Shalach Lehu, he said, Dechivra Krisei. Chivra means white, and krise is a stomach. The stomach of this animal is white. The rest of his body is whatever color it is. But the, the stomach has a, a whitish color to it. So Shalchuleh, they were chuckling. If not for the fact that you were Nachmeni, and of course we know from Shas many, many times over, that Abaye is Nachmeni, and Nachmeni is Abaye, just a nickname. We don't know which one is actually his real name, Abaye or Nachmeni, but nevertheless, it's the same person. If it's not for the fact that you're Abaye, that you're Nachmeni, uh, I would never have sent this back to you, but we trust you. All donkeys have white stomachs. What kind of ridiculous simon is that? But we trust you, so I'll give it back to you. This is an interesting Shailan Halacha. Why were they, why were they allowed to give him the donkey back? He didn't have a simon. A donkey is a donkey. They didn't have like a, you know, a branded earring that said he belonged to a bayi. So this is a side shayla. We're not going to focus on it. This is a side shayla as to why it is that within the world of Ashavas Aveda, they were allowed to give a bayi back his donkey if there was no distinguishing factors that it was his donkey. They had no chiyuv to give it back and maybe the donkey belonged to somebody else. So okay, not for now. Says Gemara, a new Mishnah, a little bit more than halfway down. Pidyon Shivuyim, which we know is a massive, massive, massive mitzvah, is to redeem people who are uh, being held captive. So let's learn a little bit about that. The Mishnah says, You cannot pay to redeem someone who is a captive beyond the market value of that person. We'll see in the Gemara what this means, but that is what the Mishnah says. We can only redeem people at market value. 
You can't even assist them to escape. We'll see what this means. And Rashbag Omer, we'll see the difference between these two approaches. One is Tikkun Olam, the other is Takana Shashvuyim. One is a Takana about the people themselves. Tikkun Olam is an external factor. And Takana Shashvuyim is about the Shavui himself, about the person who's a captive. Ah, so opens the Gemara and says as follows We had learned in our Mishnah that you can only be Podes someone on their market value. Let's say that Rahman Litzlan, someone was uh, was held captive. And market value for that person is a million dollars. You can't pay five. God forbid. Rahman Litzlan, if there was ever a captive in our community, we would rally money so quickly. It will take no time at all. One, five phone calls were done. The whole thing is done. Easy peasy. But says the Mishnah, you're not allowed to do that. Market value and only market value. So says the Gemara, I want to understand. When you say that we can only pay market value and it's because of tikkun olam, what's the lumdus of tikkun olam? Do we say that it's mishum docha de tziburahu, that we're afraid that it's going to be an oppressive issue for the tzibur? We live, we broadly live in an affluent community. It's not, there are more millionaires now than there've ever been ever. And so, so then maybe it's docha de tzibur that nobody has this kind of money in the previous generations. Is that the issue? Odilma, or perhaps are we concerned about creating a scenario where it's appealing to capture Jews? We don't want it to be the case. Odilma mishum delo ligribu the We don't want them to capture more people and then uh, have to keep paying. The market keeps going up. If the guy who uh, who is held captive is a million dollars and we pay two, then the guys are like, wow, this is a great business proposition. Let's do it. So says the Gemara, let's see. Tashma, we have a story from the Amorayim that seems to talk about this. Two-thirds of the way down was the Levi Bardarga. Levi Bardarga was, an, was a person. Parka Lebrase, his daughter was held captive. And Parka Lebrase, he redeemed his daughter. Bitlesar Alfe Dinarizav. With 13,000 dinarim out of gold, beyond the market value. We don't know what the market value was. How do you put a price on his daughter? I don't know. But the Gemara says it's above market value. So what do we see from here? Well, we see that if he did it, and it was mutter, that the only concern is dochka. The only concern is, is oppressing the community because he paid over market value. Had the concern really been about causing Goyim to be more interested in making a profit out of, out of uh, kidnapping people, then he shouldn't have been allowed to do it. So therefore, what do we see from this story? It must therefore be the case that the issue is dochka de tzibura, and that's why we're not allowed to, to do tikkun olam beyond the market, because it's too oppressive for the community. So Amar Abaye, Abaye says, Who says that Levi Bardar, if you told me that uh, you know a person I care about was held captive and the max is a million dollars, I will ignore you. I'll find every way on planet Earth to redeem that person. I don't care what it takes, and I would absolutely <laughs> move forward. So Levi Bardaga may not have been in line with the Chachamim. The Chachamim might have said, you're not allowed. And he says, too bad, I'm the father. I'm not even discussing this with you. I'm going to find my kid. So that's why the Gemara says that there's no Raya from here. We don't know. So therefore, because, because of that, perhaps he wasn't listening to the rules. So we don't know. And the Gemara continues with the next Sugya. The second half of the Mishnah said, that we're not allowed to enable Shvuyim even to escape. Forget about paying for them. Why not? Mibnei Tikkun Olam. The Tanakhama said because of Tikkun Olam, Rashbag Omer Mibnei Takonas Shvuyim. And what's the difference between these two shitas? Mai Beinayhu. What's the difference between them? Ika Beinayhu Deleka Elachad. The difference is when there's only one person left over. So let's say there were five people held captive and I can save four. 
So the Gemara says the difference between them is when there's only one person left. According to the opinion of the Tanakama, so there, according to the Tanakama, uh, he's not allowed to free him because it's Tikkun Olam. But according to Rashbag, when there's only one person left, he's going to be treated worse after the others escape. And therefore, the Rishonim explained that Rashbag holds that you could free him even, as long as there's only one. The Gemara tells a, a wild story about women who were, and men who were held in captive. The Gemara says, Binase de Rav Nachman, the daughters of Rav Nachman, Bachshan Kidrabiyadayu. Bachshan means that they stirred. They stirred a boiling hot pot with their bare hands. And Kashile the Rav Elish. This was something that didn't fit with a Pasuk. And this Pasuk is a Pasuk in Kohelas, a Pasuk that on its own needs to be understood. Ksiv, what does the Pasuk say? Adam Echad Me'elef Matsasi. I've only found one man out of a thousand who's in the category of a tzaddik. But but among those people who were tzaddikim, I didn't find any of them to be women. On its own, the Pasuk, Omer Doshin. But nevertheless, here, Rav Elish was concerned. He didn't understand the Pasuk. Why? Because, Ha'ika Benaseh, the Rav Nachman. The Gemara says that if the daughters of Rav Nachman are able to stir this pot with that's boiling with their bare hands and not get injured, they must be tzaddikim. Because that's the only way you could ever get away with that. So that's what the Gemara says. They must be tzaddikim. So it says the Gemara, this actually led to this stirring of the pot led to them to become captured. So the women were captured. and So here are the people who are captured. Rav Nachman's daughters and Rav Elish. And they were all captured and put together. Yom Achad, one day while they were in captivity, Rav Elish was sitting with this man, who knew how to translate the chirps of the bird. Okay. There was a raven that flew by, and started calling out as the bird got close to Rav Elish and the bird listener. So Amar Lei, Rav Elish said to this guy, what is the, the Orev saying? What is the raven saying? So Amar Lei said to him, Elish Barach, Elish Barach, Elish, you need to run away. Go run. Omar, Rav Elish said back to this guy, the Urva, the raven, is not my kind of bird. It's Shakra, who is a liar. I'm not going to rely on this kind of a bird, on a raven, to tell me that I should run away and risk my life and yours as well. Adahachi, while uh, this conversation was happening, another bird showed up. Asayona, Vikakarya, a dove showed up and made the same chirps. And Omar lay, my Kamra, Rav Elish said to this guy, what is the bird saying? What is the dove saying? Omar Lay, he said, the Yonah is saying the same thing that the Orif said, that said, Elish Barach, Elish Barach, you need to run away. Omar, he said, Rabbi Elish said, fine, now I understand what's going on. I actually believe in this one because Knesset Yisrael, Kiyona Mesila, the Jewish people are compared to a dove. The word Mesila has, has an Aramaic aspect to it, which is that the letter tough in the middle is, should be a shin, Mesila, from the word Mashal parable or compared to. So says the Gemara, Knesset Yisrael, Kiyona Mesila is the same thing as saying Mashal. It's the same thing. So this he took as a message from, from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shema Minah, He says, there's obviously a miracle that's taking place here. And you're right, I should escape. But before I should escape, maybe I should bring Rav Nachman's daughters with me. Says the Gemara, eight lines from the bottom of the page, Omar, Azil, I'm going to go check in on the daughters of Rav Nachman. If they remained faithful throughout their captivity, namely, if they didn't sleep with their captors, then then I'll bring them back with me. 
And if they didn't, if they didn't stay honest, if they didn't stay faithful, then I'm going to leave them. That's its own Shiloh. Why do you get to choose that? Not for now. Omar, uh, he said, I know how to find out what happened with these women. Nashi, women, call me Lidi Islihu. Anytime they want to talk to one another, Sadran Lahadade Bebe Sakise. Women talk when they're in the bathroom. That's when the real conversations happen. So, Shaminhu, he stood by the Bebe for the women on the outside and he listened. Shaminu de Ka'amar, and he heard them saying, Adi Guvrin, then Aharda Guvrin. These are my husbands. These captors are my husbands. Lema lehu leshvuyahu. We should tell our captors delir chakinhu mehacha. They should take us far away from here. Why delo lesu inshin? So people who care about us won't show up. Vilishmi, they'll hear about us. Vilifrakinun, vilifrakinun. We don't even want to. We don't even want to be redeemed. We want to stay with our captors. I don't know if it's a victim psychology. They're done. They're happy to stay with the captors. So then Rav Nachman left. Not Rav Nachman. Rav Elish left. He said, "Kami got up, orak." And he escaped. And he and the bird whisperer, the bird listener, they got up and they left. for A miracle happened to him that he was able to escape because of our Bimabra. Some miracle happened. He was able to cross over the river. But the guy who was able to listen to the birds, he was captured. He was found and they killed him. Kihadran Vaasan later, Rav Elish went back to his hometown. And a couple of weeks later, whatever the time frame was, the Gemara doesn't say, Rav Nachman's daughters were saved, even though they didn't want to be saved. It says the Gemara, Omar, uh, Omar Rav, Rav Elish said about then, When they were stirring this pot, they were doing so with kishuf, with some sorcery, with some uh, black magic, something that isn't allowed in halacha. And the daughters were not sadkanios. They were not righteous. They were people who were uh, sorcerers. And that's why they were able to succeed with stirring it with their bare hands. So when in the beginning of this story, Rav Elish looked at this pasuk and said, wait one second. I thought women were, were not sadikim, at least in this context, but Rav Nachman's daughters are, says the Gemara, no. Now that we see the whole story, that's not correct. According to the story, Rav Elish was able to highlight that these daughters were sorcerers and were not tzadkanyos. We'll stop right here at the very bottom of the page. We'll pick up Emir Tzashem on Shabbos at 545 to pick up with Mem Hayam and Beis and Mem Vav. Wishing you all a beautiful Shabbos. You know, that, that word.